Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and this week is all about barbecue. We are here at the new Bricks Barbecue in Fort Worth with special guest Daniel Vaughn, the longtime barbecue editor at Texas Monthly. We'll talk about why Fort Worth is a barbecue hotspot, the evolution of Texas barbecue, and what he eats when he's not eating barbecue, if that's even a thing. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and all the latest restaurant news. And don't forget to tell us what you think at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, do us a big favor and tell all your friends about it. Okay, everybody, this week is a little bit different because we are on site at a barbecue restaurant in Fort Worth. Yes. Our esteemed guest, Daniel Vaughn, is here with us. And we're sitting outside in beautiful Fort Worth. We can finally sit outdoors. And we have a plate of barbecue in front of us. We're going to talk about bricks. And we're going to talk about the state of barbecue in Fort Worth and in the entire state of Texas. And during it all, mark my words, we will eat. Because that's kind of what we do here. Yeah. Daniel, welcome to the pod. Oh, it's great to be here. Okay, so I want to start with those beef burnt ends. Yes, the beef belly burnt ends. It's their take on the famous pork belly burnt ends uh, made so famous by Heim Barbecue here in Fort Worth. You know, at Bricks, uh, Trevor Sales, the owner here, he really just wanted to create his own signature item when he first opened the trailer. Now we're here at their brick and mortar, as they call it, their bricks and mortar. I like it. Uh, eye roll. And then, <laughs> so of course they still have that, but they also have uh, added several more things to the menu too. Okay, so hand around some of those beef belly burn ends. Yes, these are delicious. They're, they're like smoky, well, they're crunchy, they're sweet. They're uh, they, sticky. They're a little sticky, yes, indeed. Get your uh, get your paper towels out. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's plenty here that's going to make your hands dirty, too, like the, uh, the Funky Town Chicken Sandwich, another one of those things that they had over at the trailer that they have brought here. I haven't had a bite of one of these yet here at the New Bricks, so... It is a I don't know. Is it, safe, is it safe to take a bite now? Do that. Yeah. Okay. That sandwich is gorgeous. It is dripping with like a white ranch style sauce. Do we know what kind of sauce that is? They call it their dank sauce. Dank, dank. sauce. Mm-hmm. Like with a K yes. on the end? Dank with a K. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a mix between chimichurri and ranch. It's got some heat to it. To describe it doesn't make it sound very good, but when you eat it on a sandwich, it's fantastic. They put the same sauce on their burger. Oh, I just got into those beef burn ends. Ooh wee, those are delicious. They're candied and they're sticky and they're really good. I've got them all over my fingers, which is the whole point. I'm into that. I need like 10 rolls of paper towels for these. We do have a single roll. I feel like th- it more. might work with the four of us <laughs> as we eat. But here at the New Bricks, like one of the things they've been able to do is they've got a whole lot more kitchen space. They've got more pit space. So they've been able to add some things to the menu that are some new signatures. They've got the porchetta here, or as they call it, the Texas porchetta. And is this what they are known for? This is what they're newly known for. They didn't have this at the trailer. So they didn't add this until they opened here in July. 
it's a pork belly that has been seasoned like your traditional Italian porchetta, you know, with the herbs, the lemon zest, the Calabrian chilies, uh, all that deliciousness. And then it's uh, rolled up and smoked and then sliced thin. So it's, it's great, you know, to eat with your hands or to eat on a sandwich. And then the other thing that's really off the wall, like for a barbecue joint, is, you know, barbecue joints are always looking for some way to use up leftover brisket, right? Or, or brisket trim. And here at Bricks, they have this brisket ragu. It's it is, drippy. It's t- it is drippy, yeah. I'm set it back I, down. I think yes. that, that might be the pasta beneath. Uh, so they use There's the pasta the, in there? The cavatappi pasta, uh, which has that like extra twirl in it. It's really my favorite for macaroni and cheese. It really holds onto the cheese well, but it works well in this dish too, which takes brisket, it cooks it down with tomatoes actually cooks it with pretty big chunks of carrots. Whoa. So it's kind of like a bolognese, hmm. except like- when I make a bolognese at home, it's uh, I'm really trying to get those carrots shredded up. And here, the, the carrots are these big chunks. So you get this acidity from the tomatoes, plus a sweetness, some incredible sweetness from those bites of carrot, and then that, that smoky back end because of the uh, smoked brisket that's in there. And the brisket is more stewy than most bolognese's, and certainly it's not like a smoked brisket straight out that you would eat by the pound. It's hunks of it. Yes, and it cooks down for four hours. Oh, you guys, that's interesting. We just ate barbecue pasta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Daniel, give us some context on this place. Why do you think that Bricks today is interesting in this place at this time? You know, they do a few things. Like we talked about that brisket ragu. They're not afraid to sort of break what might be considered barbecue rules by some people. They're willing to think outside the box, go beyond those uh, sort of natural barbecue horizons. Like with that Funky Town chicken sandwich, it doesn't sound like there's anything barbecue going on there, right? It's a fried chicken sandwich. But like a hot chicken sandwich, they make, you know, a spicy oil to dip it in. But that oil is beef tallow, smoked beef tallow. So it's spiced Mm. up smoked beef tallow that they dip the chicken in. The sausages, like they make their own sausages, normal enough, right? But they have a a BQ grill here, and that BQ is a direct heat cooker instead of an indirect cooker like most of the offset smokers you see. And so it gets gets those casings a little more taut, and it gives a little more flavor to it because that fat is dripping down onto the coals directly beneath it. Uh, That porchetta, again, like... I think Fort Worth has this real connection with different ways of treating pork belly. You've got pork belly burn ends at High and Barbecue, like I talked about, that have been now copied really all over the country. And Dane's Barbecue has their bacon brisket, which is really just a pork belly that is smoked and sliced like a brisket. So this is uh, just, you know, Brix's take on it uh, and, you know, adds another thing to the Texas barbecue pantheon. Well, we should add that, like, the idea that there are so many plays on pork specifically in Fort Worth is cool because we live in a beef state. Of course, there's pork on barbecue menus, but it's not the first thing we talk about almost ever. I think for a lot of pitmasters with brisket prices these days, it's a thing they wish we would talk about more. Because as Trevor said, these porchettas, he'd much rather sell 50 of these porchettas than 50 briskets (laughs) a day just because of the price point on it. It's less expensive than the brisket for the consumer, but it's also he pays much less for pork belly and for pork shoulders than anybody does for brisket. A big part of that is just how popular Texas barbecue has become within Texas, of course, but outside of Texas, right? We now have nearly every barbecue joint that's opening outside the state has brisket on the menu. So now we have, you know, thousands of restaurants literally purchasing brisket at a rate that used to be, you know, really reserved for just barbecue joints within Texas. Are other people doing it well outside of Texas? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I did a lot of travel this summer. Let's see. I went up to Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin. Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went up to Brainerd. <laughs> I did. 
I did. Yes. <laughs> anyway, right across the border in Wisconsin, booming barbecue there. They were doing beef cheeks and beef brisket, uh, beef ribs, and doing them incredibly well. You know, some of the places that you think of as these pork barbecue capitals, like uh, all through South Carolina, found really great beef barbecue and sausages in Anderson, South Carolina, at Fort Grove Barbecue, City Limits Q in West Columbia. Of course, Lewis Barbecue's been there a while, holding yeah. it down in Charleston. They've got a new location in Greenville. Atlanta's had good brisket for a long time now at places like Fox Brothers. And that's really the case all over the country. I was just out in Oakland, and I wrote about two different barbecue joints out there that are very much doing it Texas-style that have been around for three years at Horn Barbecue and Breakwater Barbecue. I was out in Phoenix eating at Little Miss Barbecue over the summer. Oh, and right in Savannah, uh, Slow Fire Barbecue, another Texas-style barbecue spot, which I laughed because on their menu, bacon brisket right there on the menu. I was like, straight from Danes. Like, wow. <laughs> Talk about influential. Our little hometown spot. Has this Texas-style barbecue influence outside of the state affected how people are doing it inside the state? You mentioned Bricks is really not afraid to break those barbecue rules, and I feel like we've seen a lot of restaurants here trying to do that, too. Yes and no. Um... I think what a lot of the folks outside the state are doing, it's almost like they're they're copying a version of Texas barbecue that's a couple of years old. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're also holding on to a few things that aren't quite as popular in Texas anymore. Like for a while, beef short ribs were the thing. Like you could not have a barbecue platter without a massive beef short rib on it. They're still popular, but they're not, they don't have nearly the sort of cachet that they used to. And I think that's just because they're incredibly expensive. And at the end of the day, you're already eating enough beef with the slices of brisket you have. And pork belly burn ends. Those are the two things that I see associated with Texas barbecue at all the barbecue joints really outside of Texas. As far as sort of that cross-cultural, you know, pollination, I think it's more about whole hog here in Texas and some barbecue joints doing that whole hog, usually not on a daily basis. And there's certainly not any restaurants that have opened in Texas whose focus is just on serving whole hog barbecue. But at Bricks here in that BQ Grill, they'll do a whole hog like maybe once a month. I know at Cadillac Barbecue, they have whole hog barbecue. Uh, for the Thursdays and Fridays and that first Saturday of the month that they're open. I think soon to be every Saturday with that new change in ownership that y'all wrote about. You know, there's several places now doing that whole hog barbecue, which is very much influenced by Eastern North Carolina and South Carolina barbecue. You said at the beginning of this question that other states are copying what we're doing in Texas. And I feel like it's worth a reflection that when it comes to food outside of barbecue, in cities in Texas, there's sort of this belief that New York City and LA, restaurants there might model some sort of trend. And a couple of years later, we will see it in Dallas restaurants, Houston restaurants, Austin restaurants. Is this like the Devil Wears Prada version of food? And yeah, so I just love that that's <laughs> That mob opposite. that you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. So whatever was in style at these, you know, two other big deal restaurant cities would get reflected in, in smaller cities who were doing interesting things, but maybe following a little bit. And I've never liked that because I always thought that food in Dallas and food in Texas was special. But now you're saying that barbecue is the trendsetter. So if you were to if you were to pull cuisines apart, uh, we do set trends when it comes to barbecue, and it just makes my little Texas heart proud, Daniel. Yeah, and you know when you travel around the country, you see offset smokers. Certainly, they're there for the function, but they're also there as symbolism. It is the way for that pitmaster, that barbecue joint owner, to be like, I'm bona fide here. Like I'm doing it the Texas way. When I was out in Oakland. 
both places have California built offset smokers. Like that's crazy to think about, right? It's become such a trend. You can now find welders and welding shops around the country who are building them because there is a market for them because barbecue is that popular. And more specifically, Texas style barbecue is that popular. Daniel, what are you drinking? I mean, that looks delicious. I'm drinking a glass of Albarino here and I only bring it up because the other thing at Bricks that they've done is they've got a really focused wine list. Trevor's big into wine and wine pairings. And so again, thinking, you know, beyond those normal boundaries of Texas barbecue, taking it really seriously, like what does go well with barbecue and and the Albarino, this is, I'm describing it in the same way he described it to me. You know, the grapes bring in the salty air from the northern Spanish coast. And so it is the margarita of white wine, he says. I, I just think it's a delicious white wine. It feels right to drink it in the afternoon. Daniel, I want you to drink that white wine with the chicken sandwich. And while you're doing that, I want you to hand me a piece of the chicken sandwich, please. I haven't tried it yet. Okay. Here comes the Funky Town chicken sandwich. I'm going to try the chicken sandwich, and then I just feel like and this is patio food. It is patio food. I believe this is the queso fundido sausage right here. Oh, the chicken sandwich Did is Did you good. catch that snap? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That casing is just so taut. I love it. So we've reported and said that Fort Worth is the best barbecue city in Texas. Is that still true? I mean, I would say that as far as new barbecue joints go and, and, and new barbecue energy, that Fort Worth is the spot. For a long time, Houston barbecue really talked about like the places within Houston. And it's like, oh, you go out to Pearland, to Killens, and it's not really Houston. You go up to Spring at Corkscrew, it's not really Houston. But then they realized that if they just are more inclusive of those suburbs, then they get to say that Houston barbecue is better than everybody else. And so, yes, I think it has more diversity and just more great places in total. But in Fort Worth, you have Heim, which I think really set the precedent. Uh, now they have several locations, even even headed over into Dallas. Smokeaholics Barbecue. I was just up at Panther City Barbecue before this, and you know they've come such a long way from that barbecue trailer. They took over the bar that was next door. Now they've got the kitchen inside. You order inside. No more standing out in the heat to get your order. Oh, I haven't been there since they changed that, Daniel. Uh, That's a good tip. Yeah, well, go tell Chris happy birthday, uh, one of the owners over there. It's his birthday today. Oh, great. And then you've got Dane's Barbecue, or at least for a little while. I mean, they're going to be moving out of town. Cousins Barbecue really just revamped their entire menu, bringing on like a new school version of everything they've been doing. And then Goldie's Barbecue, uh, number one barbecue joint in the state. Your number one barbecue joint in the state. As of your the, list. The number one barbecue <laughs> joint in the state. Fight, fight. Yeah. Oh, so are you referring to this new top 50 that just came out from Southern Living Magazine? Well, yes. We should say Southern Living said that Snows in Lexington, Texas was the number one barbecue joint in Absolutely the South. Absolutely worthy. I mean, as long as Southern Living says that the number one barbecue joint in the South is in Texas, then they're accurate. Then we're good. But I don't think that Goldie's made it onto the list, Daniel, until number nine in the South. That's okay. Everybody's, Which is everybody's arguably gotta be, incorrect. Everybody's got a right to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've talked a little bit about how Texas barbecue has evolved over the years and everyone's just kind of copying us now. How else have you seen Texas barbecue evolve? I think one big thing is really just allowing the world to come into Texas barbecue. Uh, lots of different immigrants who are opening up barbecue joints that uh, they're really melding their cuisine with the smoked meats of Texas cuisine. I mean, not far from here, we have smoke and ash in Arlington doing Ethiopian barbecue. 
really the only Ethiopian smokehouse that I know of in the world. Uh, KG Barbecue down in Austin doing Egyptian barbecue. Curry Boys down in San Antonio uh, with uh, Vietnamese and South Asian influence. Koi Barbecue in Houston, Vietnamese. Blood Brothers Barbecue, Vietnamese and Chinese. And then, of course, you've got Tex-Mex Barbecue, which Panther City here in Fort Worth is an incredible example of. I just had their smoked brisket carne gasada as my mm. third barbecue meal today. This is my fourth. <laughs> um, so I won't call this a meal. I'm just snacking here. <laughs> but I, I guess I was just snacking on the carne gasada as well. But it's fantastic. And just one of the few things that they have on their menu that has that real Tex-Mex barbecue vibe to it. So speaking of Tex-Mex barbecue, Imelda, you have a surprise for us today, right? Yes, yes. I'm sure Daniel has tried every single type of barbecue in the world, almost, right? Mm. But I have a surprise for you. Ooh, okay. As you know, we Mexicans love our chilito verde, mm -hmm. our pepper. So I don't know if you have ever tried your barbecue with a serrano pepper. Oh, so we have raw serranos yeah, here. Yeah. And raw we have serranos. five of them. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. We can all eat them together. <laughs> I think we will, really. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to try the barbecue and then, like, buy the chili. Amelda, okay. you go first. Show us yeah, what we're sure. doing. My mom always goes to a places where there are not, like, salsas or pepper or anything. So in her purse, he <laughs> carries a napkin like this one with some chilies. Okay. Her this mom sounds awesome, way. doesn't she? Well, yeah. yeah. This is not a roasted Serrano. This is not a grilled <laughs> Serrano. This is not a pickled Serrano. This is just a straight up raw Serrano. And uh, yeah, so we're all going to, I guess, take a bite of barbecue first. Yeah. And, and then, then a bite of this. Okay. Yeah, excellent. Ahead. It's good, right? It is good. Mm. <laughs> you know what? These are not very spicy, I think. Yeah. I actually like the texture, too, because it's like kind of a cool, crunchy component to it. Yeah. It's not quite the same, but if I am served a whole pickled jalapeno, I do love to bite the tip off of the jalapeno and sort of squirt that pickled jalapeno mm. juice yeah. onto, especially chicken, like tastes really good on, I, I think. Daniel, you don't know this, but she has a very interesting dog who gets human food all the time that is cooked by Imelda. And now the other secret is that Imelda has a super interesting spicy mom. Yeah. <laughs> so it is so fitting that we're here together at Bricks, yeah. named after a dog. Oh, that's Bricks cute. is the owner's dog. I just wrote a story last week about a speakeasy named after a dog. I and which one was that? The Wilfred in Plano. <laughs> Naming places after dogs. I love that. That's a special, cool thing. I just don't know if I'd want to go to Cujo's Barbecue. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks, guys. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back to talk to Daniel Moore about what it's like to be a barbecue editor. That's right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality, you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're still here at Bricks Barbecue with Daniel Vaughn, and now we're going to talk about what it's like to actually be a barbecue editor. So I know you get asked this question a lot, but how much barbecue do you actually eat like in a week? Well, I don't bring a scale with me, so I don't know exactly <laughs> how much. Um, 
But I knew this question was coming. And so I did look back and in the month of August, I ate at 29 different barbecue joints. Uh, uh, and wow. like one of those was in Dublin, Ireland, and a couple of them were in the Bay Area. Most of those were in Texas. 31 days, 29 places. Yes. And some of those are bunched up, right? So what's it like to be a barbecue editor? Well, you, you get an invitation to come do a podcast interview at Bricks Barbecue, and you're like, okay, well, what can I do on the way over there? Well, I can stop at Moss Coffee, which <laughs> is run by the, the same folks as Zavala's Barbecue, and I can get a uh, one of their breakfast tacos. And then I went up to local craft barbecue in Newark, not Newark, Texas, for my third visit there uh, to do a little tiebreaker. Like, is it as bad as the first visit or as good as the second visit? Good news is it's as good as the second visit. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll write a review about that place. Very embarrassed that I had not seen the new Panther City Barbecue. I stopped by to say hello to them. And then I did an interview in my car on the way (laughs) over here. So glammy. And and then I I met y'all. Oh, I did an interview at home before I left to go to Zavala's as well. So that's what it's like to be the barbecue editor. So sometimes the barbecue editing involves just speaking on the phone and not food in face. Speaking on the phone. Yes. And if I could use this as my cry for any of the pit masters that I'm talking to, like try and keep it brief. These are thousand word articles. (laughs) And if we talk for an hour, I have to go through an hour's worth of tape. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I do. I do want the full story. I, for a long time, tried to take notes as I was talking to people, but that meant I didn't listen to them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so now I just record it all, have a full-on free-flowing conversation with them, and then go back and go all the way through it and pull out all the quotes and all the facts that I need for the next story. But that is, you know, for an hour-long interview, that takes about 90 minutes to go back through. That's a big part of my job as well, because when I first started as a barbecue editor, it's been 10 years now, So much of the stories that I wrote about restaurants were about the food and really just about the food. Mm -hmm. And now I don't write a story unless I can write about the people behind it, what their motivations are, and also why they wanted to get into barbecue in the first place. So I really want to be able to talk to people about that before I write a story about a place. That's awesome. And food is also so experiential. So, you know, not just what's on the menu or even who the people are and what their point of view is, but... What does it look like, right? Oh, does yeah, it, okay. What does it feel yeah. like? So Shoal Brothers Barbecue in Paris, Texas, who I, I just interviewed the owner there, they recently took over the place, and like two months ago, they introduced the Condiment Cow oh, from, my. from the Condiment Cow Company of Maryland. And it is Wait, those are like a, capital C condiment cows? Like this is uh-huh. a company name? Yep. And it is Saw a plastic thing. Holstein cow on the wall that has four plastic udders that you squeeze no. to emit barbecue sauce oh, God. into a cup. So oh, you, wow. you you go milk no. your barbecue sauce before you get a side of it, and uh, <laughs> and that's a really helpful way to make sure that your place is memorable. That's I thought true. it was going to be a cow and like the top opened, you know, like a grill, and then it was just going to be like the cold stuff no, in there. It is no, ut- you utterly the- ridiculous. Oh my god! Wow. Uh, I want to go up there now. Exactly. Yeah. Who doesn't want to go squeeze the condiment cow? (laughs) Yeah. We should remind listeners, Daniel, that you came to us through formerly being an architect. Yes. That's different. Yeah. No uh, condiment cows there? Quite a bit different. Yeah. I mean, maybe if I had designed barbecue joints, then I would have had to specify a condiment cow a time (laughs) or two. But no, um, I was an architect at more recently Good Fulton and Farrell in Dallas. I worked as an architect for 12 years before starting this job. Do you miss it? No. (laughs) 
was barbecue like a calling? Like, what happened there? Um, I had a barbecue blog, and I did that while I was an architect, and I, I really just spent my nights and weekends on that blog. And uh, the Texas Monthly came to me because they were doing a barbecue app. And they wanted to populate it with more reviews than what they had in their mo most recent top 50. And they wanted to use, or at least have access to all the reviews from my blog. And so we signed a contract. They paid me for that. But part of the contract stipulation was I, I was going to be part of the 2013 top 50 barbecue tasting team. And while I was on that team, I was researching for my book that came out in 2013, Profits of Smoked Meat. And um, I just got with uh, Jake Silverstein, who was the editor-in-chief at Texas Monthly at the time, and said, I think it'd be a great idea if you had somebody write about barbecue full-time, and I think it should be me. A few months later, I had a contract signed with them and became the barbecue editor and quit my job in architecture, and I haven't looked back since. I think it's worth adding to Daniel, that you were one of the few experts in the state about barbecue because you ran that blog. Like, I was a journalist and was a reader of your blog from the beginning. A lot of us watched you create that expertise just as a hobby. And I'm sure Texas Monthly looked around and realized that there are a lot of people in the state who love barbecue, but there weren't near as many who were documenting it. You know, another reason why you seemed like an easy fit is because you had the paperwork to show that you knew more than the rest of us who were also standing in line and then not documenting it. Well, and people ask how I became the barbecue editor, and I say it almost as a joke, but it is the truth. I just, you have to eat a lot of barbecue. Like, to really be able to form opinions about something, you need to eat a lot of it, right? And if you decide to go the route of being, like, a generalist, and, you know, maybe you aspire to be the, the food editor, the dining editor for the Dallas Morning News, but you have to know a lot, or you should know a lot, about lots of different kinds of food. And so, well, the one thing I did, which um, I think was pretty rare at the time, and now is really the way that people go about it normally if they want to write about food is you pick a specific subject and you become a real expert in that one subject. And that's a way to sort of shortcut your way into being a respected expert on that thing because you do have to just study that one thing. But in focusing on that one thing, you're able to really study that one thing. So does anyone else in your family like barbecue or is it just you? Well, my wife doesn't like barbecue at all. Oh, um, what? Yeah, she likes chicken. She'll eat smoked chicken, smoked turkey from barbecue spots, but it's good. It's just kind of the separation between church and state, right? <laughs> like I, I keep my work more separate from my family life. My kids like barbecue. I, I try to give them barbecue every once in a while so they still like it. But yeah, we don't eat a ton of barbecue at home. We don't really go out for barbecue very often. What do we eat at home? We eat a lot of chicken because my wife likes chicken a lot. So we <laughs> eat a lot of chicken. Like last night we went to uh, La Bodega, got a whole chicken there, a rotisserie chicken. They have fantastic chicken and roasted potatoes that you can add chicken, crispy chicken skin onto. And we literally stood around the counter and just ate that entire chicken. No plates, no forks. And it was great. Mm. It was glorious. And so when you are checking out a new barbecue place, what are some essential things that you need to try that they need to do well? Well, I'm always looking at how well they do the, the Texas Trinity, right? How well they do sliced brisket, pork ribs, and sausage. Um, sausage, really only if they make it or someone makes it for them. If they're just reheating a commercial product, I don't really feel like I need to, I don't need to tell anybody how Syracuse sausage tastes, right? It, if you've been to a barbecue joint who uses it, and a lot of them do, they make good, good sausage, but you don't need to hear it from me how it is. 
Uh, and then I'm always looking for anything unique that they have, right? Like the porchetta here, or do they have pork steaks, or bacon burnans, whatever it might be. I'm always looking for something, their unique take on something. And then for the sides, like I want those unique sides, of course, but beans can really tell you a lot about a barbecue joint, right? The pinto beans, like, are they making beans from dry beans or are they making canned beans? And that tells you a lot about their view on how things should be done in a restaurant, right? And if you just open up a can of pork and beans and throwing brisket in it, it's not nearly as good as opening up a, you know, a bag of dry pinto beans. Can you taste the difference or do you have to ask? Oh, absolutely. You can taste the difference. Yeah. And it's not so much about the taste. It's the texture of the beans. I mean, the, are the beans like complete mush? And I've been to places where they literally reheat the beans out of the can, like with the bean water from the can, like still <laughs> like just reheat it all. And yeah, it's, it tastes like a can. So is there a lot of bad barbecue out there? Less of it now, uh, especially the new barbecue joints. I mean, I think one of the problems with food writing in general is that we get so focused on the new spots because that's what people are interested in, right? They want to know how is the food at the new place. So that's usually what I focus on are the new spots that are opening up. There are a lot more hits than misses than there used to be. I would say it used to be like a third of the places opening up were worth writing about. And now I think it's closer to probably half of the places that I visit. Maybe I've become more selective about the places I visit based on other customer feedback and, you know, photos of their barbecue and all that kind of stuff, too. But I think in general, new barbecue joints have a higher percentage of being good than they used to. So how do you get the smoke smell out of your clothes? (laughs) Um, There's only one way to get the smoke smell out of your clothes, and that's to wash them. So there, there is no way to get the smoke smell out of your clothes. Like if I've been to a barbecue joint and I've been in the pit room, then I'm going to smell it on me and everybody else's for the rest of the day. Uh, so, yeah, I've been certainly in checkout lines plenty of times. And they're like, what do I, I smell? Barbecue or smoke? Is something on fire? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, just you, Daniel. Yeah. But it's your essence. Yeah, there, there's really no way to get it out. And Daniel, tell us about the festival. I mean, it's coming. What is going to happen? Yeah, well, uh, so the Texas Monthly Barbecue Festival, we're going back to Lockhart. Uh, It's the second year in a row we've had it in Lockhart. It worked out so well last year. And it will be the first Saturday and Sunday in November. If you went last year, it'll be very similar. We'll be in the downtown square on Saturday. Uh, There's no entry fee, and there will be lots of barbecue vendors there, and also lots of vendors of all kinds of barbecue products. And then on Sunday, we'll have our more traditional barbecue festival where you pay that one ticket price and get in and are able to try samples from, oh gosh, uh, we're going to have at least 30 of the top 50 there, uh, maybe up to 35. So the way I describe it, it is the easiest way to have a statewide barbecue road trip is just to come to Lockhart to the barbecue festival and walk around and try all the samples. I also feel like that festival is full of barbecue obsessed people because everybody's like losing their mind over so-and-so's ribs or like, oh my gosh, did you try that Mac? Or I haven't made it all the way out to Evie Mays, but now I can try it here. It's like going to a concert where everybody has a favorite band. Right. Except the bands are often coming with a brand new song, right? And so it's like they have these new dishes they're bringing and, and maybe debuting them there, or maybe it's just one time for the barbecue festival so uh it's great to just be sharing notes with people constantly people coming up to you like oh what's the best bite you've had and you want to ask them too and you hear about so-and-so's doing this one thing and you got to get over there to try before it's gone or um i mean last year guest family barbecue was doing a bone luge and so they had smoked they had smoked (laughs) marrow bones so you'd eat the smoked marrow and then they you would do a, a shot of bourbon through the bone um, wow. in case you left any of the marrow behind. God, that sounds oh, great. Wow. It was good, yeah. 
Just for anybody who doesn't know the geography and sort of the history, tell us why that festival is in Lockhart. What is significant about the city to barbecue? Lockhart is the barbecue capital of Texas, and it's not anybody's opinion. Uh, The state legislature has deemed it so since 1999. Yeah, it is 45 minutes southeast of Austin, really pretty much straight south. And it's this great small town that has this uh, huge barbecue culture. They have some of the oldest barbecue joints in the state with Black's Barbecue open since 1932, Kreitz Market open since 1900, Smitty's Market, Chisholm Trail, Terry Black's Barbecue just opened there uh, last year. Can you still get tickets to the festival? Yes, tickets are still available. Uh, Just go to Texas Multi's website and they're right on there. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for eating barbecue with us today at Brick's Barbecue in Fort Worth. I want everybody to pick their favorite bite, like a lightning round, and we're going to start with our expert, Daniel. You heard the crunch. It was that sausage. I love it. Every time I have it. I'm going to go with fried chicken. The fried chicken sandwich with the dank sauce was so killer. I have to go with the elote, but Mm. also with the dank sauce. I'm kind of a sides person. I'm with Daniel. I'm with the sausage too. Yeah, it was amazing. Although no one said the porchetta, and it should be said that that was like a almost a tie for me. It's so salty. And Great. nobody said the Serrano. Maybe the Serrano. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. The Imelda, they're going to ask you back. Yeah. We can't lose you to Brick's Barbecue. Yeah. The porchetta was delicious, but it was also just so surprising, I think. Like, I was not expecting to taste that at a barbecue place. Exactly. So it threw me off, but like in a good way. That's why barbecue is so exciting. I know. I love it. We've been cooking meat over fire for how many centuries and it's still interesting yes in texas thank you daniel this has been awesome thank you all for having me and that's all the time we have for eat drink dfw this week thank you all for joining and i hope we've made you hungry for more we also want to hear from you so share your food thoughts favorite restaurants or tasty recipes with us at eat drink at dallasnews.com the show is produced by julie fisk to stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom just follow the dallas morning news wherever you get your podcasts And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.